So can you hear that? Can what what what? What can I hear what? Can you, <laughs> can, you can you hear the fan going? No. You can't hear it? No. Okay, good. Couldn't, good. Okay. Well, because I have a fan going on. I have a fan on right now. It's behind me here on the floor. I mean, I can hear it, but I don't know if my microphone is picking it up. You do and realize I, we've started the show, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I realized okay. it after I hit record. Got it. This is normally pre-show like discussion. Can right, you hear right, the right. fan on? Is the mic working? Right. You hear me good? Right. Clear too high? Right. No, I can see you. You look ugly as always. All right, perfect. Yeah. You Appreciate ready for that. this? Okay, we're going to go. Appreciate right. that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but then I thought, you know, it was just overwhelming. I was like, that's why I was sitting here. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they can hear that fan going. <clears throat> when, what am I supposed to do at this moment in time? It's like. So I figured I would at least ask before, you know, people listen to an hour or so of this buzzing sound in the background and would be wondering what the hell that was. So for everyone out there, this is normally what <laughs> the pre-show sounds like. It's <laughs> Dr. Ramirez and I asking each other stupid questions like, you know. Yeah, while we you, get ready to hear record. That? What yeah. is that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't hear anything. Well, so you can't hear it? What is that? What Hear what? <laughs> We're so yeah. high tech. Yeah. We don't have a snurdly. We're going on year two without a snurdly. Well, let me help. Um, why don't you intro the show for us? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Why don't we yeah. do that? Hello, interwebs. Welcome to this is episode number 62 of the Fusion Underground. And here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is make sense of the world by having principal discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the one and only Jason Moret. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you look you look a little uh, worse for wear there. I look worse for wear? Yeah, the hair's got to be the, the hair's disheveled and the lighting is kind of, well... I'm, I've, I've got my computer Fortress. turned in a, in a different in a spot. new angle. I can yeah. see the back. I can see actually see the door of the garage. Yep. Because I'm I'm high tech and this is my sanctuary is my garage, my shop. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a man cave. It's a nice man cave. It is. And yeah. that's what the sign on my on my wall says up there. See? Man cave. Man cave. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I just have to get this off my chest because... Uh, don't take your shirt off. No, I'm not going to oh. do that. That would be disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't want to do that. Okay. Episode 62. So I've, I came across, uh, well, I came across this little article. We're not, this is not, you know, we're going to get, we're, 
we're doing the whole series. We're on... continuing on our series, but you have to divert for a minute because you got to get this out. Yeah, I'm we, we are. We're going to continue on our on our series and talk about uh, how women, what things women need to be aware of when dealing with men in relationships. So more of that's coming in a minute. We're going to continue that. But before we jump into that, I saw these two things and I just, um, I don't even know what to think about it anymore. You know, last year we talked a lot about COVID. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we did. And we're now getting ready for phase two of the COVID lockdowns. There's rumors now coming out of Washington, D.C. that the White House is preparing statements for mandatory lockdowns across the country, uh, which will be really interesting since several Republican states have said basically F you to the federal government. We're not going to lock mm -hmm. down. You can't force us. Um, which I, I do really find interesting. You know, last year we learned a lot about all of our precautions and everything we did in response to COVID that essentially did not work. Right. Like buying all of the ass paper from the stores. Yeah. Buying about buying toilet paper in droves did not yeah. stop COVID. Please surprise, do not surprise. go buy ass paper. <laughs> just, just chill guys. Tissue I paper. Mean, yeah. That a a washcloth and warm water will do the trick. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, there was a bunch of stuff, all the mask wearing, sorry. That's that has done yeah. nothing to stop COVID. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's been effective in stopping COVID at all is vaccines, which they have. Yeah. I mean, you have to. And yet, so now we have a Delta variant. What are we going to do? We're going to go back and implement all of the precautions right. and mitigation strategies that did not work the first time right. and do that again. <laughs> well, because we weren't successful at completely destroying the economy. Right. So let's try so again. So let's try it again. So it's like I that saw, argument for communism. It just didn't, we just didn't right. do it right the first time. It wasn't real socialism. We <laughs> yeah, just it wasn't, gotta, it wasn't really for real Marxism. Yeah. Right. So we're going to try that shit again. We're going to do it. So this, this, um, so this article, um, uh, yeah. So this article, both of them came from 2020. These were written in 2020. So they're not new. Thank God. Okay. But the first article Dated in July 29th of 2020, some social scientists, not me, <laughs> right? I just want that known. Okay. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. That's a very odd disclaimer early yeah. on, but go ahead. <laughs> the article here, taller people face higher risk of catching COVID-19. Taller? Taller people, tall people. As in non-midgets. Correct. People. people over, this is directly from the article, people over six feet tall are more than twice as likely to be diagnosed with the coronavirus. That means hobbits, three feet and shorter, are probably only, yeah, whatever. And most Asians. And most Asians, yeah. Also, they, they discovered... <laughs> You, you, almost let me, right into that. <laughs> you almost let me go with it too until I started laughing. It didn't even register. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are entirely too focused. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, when, when you sneeze, okay, your, your saliva and your snot can basically aerosol. And by aerosoling, it can float and go higher, go up into the air. And so tall people 
because they're at a higher elevation than the rest of us, well, they are twice as likely. Twice. I don't understand where that came from. Twice as likely to contract COVID-19. But then, just a few short months later, this article was published. Short people at greater risk of catching COVID-19. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I don't know about your nose, but my white privilege nose points down. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, the droplets. See, so on one on one hand, you have the aerosolized stuff can, that goes up. That can be aerosol. Yeah, that can transform into aerosol. Right? It can be aerosol and float for long distances. Right, but booger over feet? time actually falls. <laughs> right, but then droplets can be heavy, so not all of it turns into aerosol. Is aer you know is is an aerosol form. And then you just have droplets. And so they fall to the ground where all the short people are at. So, so what is the ideal or optimum height for an individual to protect themselves from COVID, Dr. Well, <laughs> 12 feet tall, I guess. I'm, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be above, you know, the normal pollution caused by us mere mortals. Uh, so medieval... I don't know. My butt hangs at about three foot, so that's <laughs> that pollutes in and of itself. <laughs> well, did you see? There was an article. It was this. Uh, came out like a week or so ago, that uh, that basically said, uh, um, you know, ass play what? can contract COVID. What? What yeah. can? Ass play. You know. Uh. -uh. You know. No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> God. Uh. Yeah, keep in mind, a buddy of mine reminded uh. me, a buddy of mine reminded me that last year, Canada, Canada put on their, you know, they have a, a, a department of health or whatever. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, they did that whole campaign called like in the poop shoot or something. Right, or the glory holes. They celebrated the yeah. glory holes. They told everybody to have sex using the glory holes in order to stop the spread of COVID. And now it turns out, well, that ain't necessarily true. You can catch COVID, you know, through butt play. So there in you your go. butt. Right, right, right. I said, what, what in the butt? <laughs> this is the clown world we live in. <laughs> Come on. The only thing the you can do is, is laugh about this shit. It's absolutely ridiculous. We live in absolute clown world and we're going to shut down because of all this. And y'all are going to run out and buy ass paper by the fucking butt bucket loads, man. We're not going to be, no, no, none of us normal people are going to be able to find toilet paper anywhere because everybody's going to be hoarding it like they did last year. It's absolutely incredulous to me to think that these, these same ass clowns are making all of these rules and regulations to try and protect everybody. 90% of the population um looks at them like they are they're a joke because they are because they are they and are then the other 10 percent hangs on every word like it's gospel yeah I'm like they're gospel there's one thing about gospel it doesn't change every <laughs> what they say changes every 10 minutes <laughs> tall people you're screwed short people you're screwed glory well, holes tall, tall people are twice as likely but short people are two times more likely. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're five eight, yeah. you're good. Yeah. So if you're following along at home, you're effed. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't go, matter your height. Go get the vaccine. Just go get the vaccine and shut up about it. Yeah.
Yeah. Oh, and oh, oh. in in another in other stupid news, while we're since we're on the topic of stupid news, in other stupid news, the Muppet Babies. Are you familiar with the Muppet Babies? Of course. You remember the Muppet Babies, right? Yeah. I guess there's a new cartoon of called the Muppet Babies. I guess they re they rebooted the show. Okay. Um, but they've now introduced a transgender princess. So we have a transgender princess, and guess what? It's not, they didn't make up a new character. Gonzo. Gonzo, Gonzo. is transgender. You remember Gonzo? He was on a what he was a whatever. He was a whatever. Well, a whatever. That I was just gonna say, well, he already said he's a whatever. So I guess all proper <laughs> pronouns apply. <laughs> right? He's a whatever. You His name is Gonzarella. 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 I can't make this shit up. I'm not making it up. I No, I, I, that's the funny part. You don't have to make anything up. Reality is no. twice as ridiculous as right. anything we could create. Right. Gonz Gonzarella. Gonzarella. Okay. Right. Is that a he, she, him, that, they? It's a they. <laughs> it, it was a they. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, Miss Piggy was talking about it and was, you know, talking about how they met a they and they, they left, they. whatever. Yeah. 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 That no, nobody could follow. Yeah, include you know, including adults trying to explain to their children. It's like, uh, you know what? I'm sorry, kiddo. Let's let's go on to watch Paw Patrol or yeah. something. Did you did you hear that uh, that the women's national soccer team is now out of contention for a gold medal and nope. lost to Canada? Didn't hear. Didn't care. Well, what's sad is over half the country was actually rooting against the women's national team. Yes, I heard about that. That is very, very sad. And um, well, and it's a grave of their own making. It's a grave of the Absolutely. national team's own making. Um, so they, you know, became pompous and holier than thou and all that sort of thing. And uh, now they're out of contention. So I wonder if, uh, do we have to pay them as much as the men's national team now or no? I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Did we? No. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. Because, I, I, because I men's nothing. World Cup, well, men's World Cup brings in like a bajillion times more money than the women's World Cup, right? And so, of course, the the men's teams get paid more because there's because well, they make more, they they attract they generate more revenue, they generate revenue, revenue. which yeah. yeah. Well, but we had the same discussion about um, the WNBA. Right. I mean, just as an example, it, well, the WNBA loses money every the year. The WNBA loses money every single year. It's it's a pet project that the the NBA keeps around for the sake of equality. Of equality, right? Um, I would love to look LeBron James in the eye and tell him that we have to pay the female athletes as much as we pay him, right? Which would Im immediately mean his salary gets reduced to you know practically right. nothing for that. I would love that. Just but, smile on my face. But you know there there are there are athletes. There are women's sports that I think are better than men's sports. A lot of tennis, them. tennis being one of them. Tennis, late dude. Oh. Yeah. Oh. ladies, tennis, tennis is, is amazing. It's pretty. It's pretty powerful. Um, that is an excellent word. Yeah, excellent is. word. Yes. How much did Venus? Hot. How much did the Serena will or what? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. Venus Williams and Serena Williams. How much? How much have they looted? I don't away know. With? But I love, I love 
not necessarily even watching you just ladies like tennis the skirts but well yeah <laughs> i'm a dude and i can actually just turn it on and listen to it and enjoy it as much it's amazing yeah. the grunting are you talking about uh-huh. the- <laughs> oh good god uh, well let's get uh-huh. into this let's get into this book wait no i'm thinking of women's sports now i mean gymnastics swimming there's a lot of ladies sports that are 10 times better than men Gymnastics is definitely a lot better than men's gymnastics. Ice skating, figure skating. Figure skating is another one, yeah. Not to take away from male figure skaters because there's a couple of them that are a mate that are pretty that are awesome. really good. They're yeah. really good, but the women's are, are much better. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. All right. We can get serious now. So I apologize. So, for those of you who are unaware, we are, <clears throat> we discovered a, we discovered a book. And last episode, we started talking about this book. So the author of this book, her name is Shanti Feldon. Shanti Feldhan. I don't know how to pronounce her name. And my apologies to Miss Shanti, Shanti if I'm pronouncing her, mispronouncing her name. Um, we're just going to, we just refer to it as Shanti. But she wrote this book, uh, published it a few years ago, called For Women Only. And the purpose of this book is to help women in their relationships with their male spouses boyfriends, husbands, what have you, to try to unpack the, the, the male mind so that women can kind of understand at least where the men are coming from. And if, the, if, if you as a woman can understand the men in your lives, their minds a little bit better or their mind a little bit better, then you know what's going to you know, make them happy or make them upset and you can do things to improve your relationship. That's what the whole book is for. That's what the book is about, is how to improve your relationship. Now, her Shanti and her husband did write a second follow-up book to that called For Men Only. And it's written to men about how the women, the woman's mind operates so that we can try to figure out how women think. Uh, and... <laughs> Sorry, you caught my attention. The same. Right, what? Right, right. <laughs> so we we will be talking about that second book. Yes, but we're talking about the first book. Yes, um, and and last episode we covered the first basically the first real chapter uh, of the book, which is uh, about respect. And for, for men, we talked about how it's vitally important that men feel respected in their relationships and in their home because that's how men feel love is through feeling respect and without that then all bets are off correct so that's where we left off so now we're we're picking it up we're not we're not going to cover each each episode is not going to be one chapter that was just a really powerful chapter i think it spoke to um it spoke to us quite a bit so we spent Mm -hmm. all of our time there um so it's not we're gonna we're gonna dive back into that um and we're gonna kind of keep going along here and i'm really curious to know what your thoughts on this because the next the next big uh reveal about how men are how men um behave or what drives men is that most men feel like they're imposters Mm -hmm. most men feel like they're faking it and they're doing everything they can to prove that they're whether you if you look at their careers for example most men they don't necessarily have all the answers. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're they're faking it a lot of times. And this was um, 
uh, one of the one of the survey questions that Shanti asked of men, keeping in mind for those that did not catch the pri- the prior episode, um, Shanti gave she put together a a survey and she had survey experts tweak the questions right to make sure that there was as little bias as possible in the questions, and there were thousands of men that took the survey and then. Uh, those answers were compiled and the results were published as this book. So um, pretty interesting, at least from a, from a, you know, synthesizing all of this data across a, a wide spectrum of men. One of the questions was, I am not always as confident as I look. 76% of men said, I feel like this regularly or sometimes. So the vast majority of men feel like inside, they're not as confident about what it is that they're trying to do um, as they may appear on the outside. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are your thoughts when you, when you think about that? I mean, we're talking about men who feel like they don't measure up. They're always having to prove themselves. They're always having to, um, they, they feel like they're constantly being judged, especially by other men. And often when they're involved in something, um, they have no idea how to necessarily fix that thing or solve it or be successful. And they're men often feel that they're making it up as they go along. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I really do like the way that Shanti actually synthesized this in the idea of feeling inadequate. Because I I don't like the idea of being insecure. I think most guys like to to think of themselves as secure individuals. However, in the professions that men find themselves in throughout the day, because I think men find themselves in multiple different professions in their daily life, whether it's your profession at work, your profession as a father, if that um, is in line for you, or your profession as a spouse, um, husband, boyfriend, etc., or even a son, if you will. <clears throat> you know, men wear multiple hats and, and we're, we have multiple professions that we perform throughout every day. And I think we always try to do the very best we can with the information that we have. And we are constantly put in positions where we have to make decisions based on the information that we have. And I think men are constantly looking at the idea, well, what if, what if I make the wrong one? Or what if somebody figures out that I don't know what the hell we talked about? You know, um, something that I think um, one of the men who are surveyed actually said is, you know, I'm, I'm looked at as a professional by all of my peers, mm. you know, even the people that I work with and they come to me for advice. or they ask me, but inside I'm always wondering if they're trying to catch me in a situation where I guess they figure out that I don't know, I don't know shit about what I'm talking about or trying to prove me wrong or basically feel like they're trying to get, I think everybody, every guy out there has been asked a difficult question or given a different difficult scenario in which case he's had to make a decision and they felt like it was a trap, you know, that they were being set up um, so that they would actually be in essence, I guess, kind of exposed. I don't think most men feel like they're frauds, but I do think most men feel like they're probably, they probably don't know as much about their job and their, their expertise in that as what they think everybody else thinks they do. Right. There was an interesting quote. There, there was an interesting quote from the book. So Shanti, not only did she give the survey, but she interviewed um, quite a number of men in focus groups and one-on-one interviews. Um, 
to help synthesize and triangulate a lot of these uh, these results. And one quote was <clears throat> was quite interesting. A man told her, "Quote: I have an idea of how to succeed. Work hard, get ahead, complete assignments, and get in good with the boss." So he's referring to he has a, at least a semblance of idea of how to be successful when at work. You can work work hard, get ahead, complete assignments, etc. He went on to say, at home, what is the measure of success? How do I know whether I am a success or a failure? And I think that's, I think a lot of men feel that way. They, they, they feel like they don't really know how to be in a relationship or, or be a good father, be a good husband. Um, and then when, when you take that natural inherent concept of, of that imposter syndrome, feeling like you're an imposter, feeling like you don't measure up, feeling like you're not good enough to be doing whatever it is that you're doing. And you come home and you interact with your wife and now she gives you the cold shoulder or she questions worse yet, you try to, you make a decision or you do something and then she's all over you saying you did it wrong and you're a screw up and how, you know, how dare you, it, it just kind of reinforces that. And one of the big things that happens to a lot of men is that just that that idea of not being able to measure up that i that concept of constantly being judged it comes rushing to the surface so ladies don't be surprised if all of a sudden your guy decides screw it i'm not going to do anything i'm not going to i don't know how to be successful in this role and you're always criticizing me and you're never you know i can never measure up to you but when i go to work i can i can be very successful <laughs> i got a promotion twice over the last 5 years or whatever the case might be right but at home if he's never good enough for you, don't be surprised if he decides that, you know what, I'm just checking out. Or right, yeah. And, and just shut down in, in engaging in the conversation. They're just not involved anymore. Uh, I think I even mentioned something like this last week where um, I've said, you know, early on in the relationship, a guy may feel like his wife came to him and asked him his opinion and advice and ideas on, you know, everything, you know, honey, what do you know about this? And he would tell her everything. And she goes, Oh, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Later on, as the years draw on in a relationship, she's like, well, what do you think about this? And he tells her, she goes, well, that's dumb. I think you're wrong. I'm going to Google it. See, this is, this is what I said. Well, guess what? What are you telling him? His opinion doesn't matter. You think right. he's a fake. <clears throat> he right. feels like a fake. He already what he that. thought he knew, you're just telling him, well, yeah, you don't know shit. Google knows more. And he's like, well, what the hell? Then why am I even bothering? Right. And so the, the, the takeaway here is if you know that he's already feeling that way, as, as a, if you're a woman listening to this, if you know that men are already pre-wired to feel and think this way, then what is, what is it that you can do? Um, you know, a big thing is just be very supportive to be supportive of your husband. Um, there's a, there's a, a quote here. Another man told Shanti, he said, quote, it's all about whether my wife thinks I can do it. A husband can slay dragons, climb mountains and win great victories. If he believes his wife believes that he can, that's huge. Yep. That is huge. And sadly, far too <clears throat> many wives. When your wife tear believes their... in you. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to no, say, when your wife believes in you, <laughs> finish. Okay. When your wife believes in you, you believe in you and you can accomplish anything, right. or at least you think you can, at least you think and you usually can. when you, you fall in your try. face. Yeah. 
a respective wife, it'll go, well, honey, you gave it a best shot. Come on, I'll help you up and let's figure out another way together. Right. Now you get to be supportive of him in his triumphs and his failures, which trust me, that's what he's going to need because he's going to fail more often than he triumphs. I guarantee it. But he wants the ability to try and he wants somebody to respect him and support him along the way. Right. You know, there are far too many wives and I've seen it throughout my, throughout my life, you know, where um, a wife will tear down her husband all the time. Well, you know, refer to him as being a jackass to his face. Well, you know, refer to him as being an idiot, a moron, stupid, uh, and to not just to his face, but in front of other people. Uh, and it's probably one of the worst things that a, that a wife can do to her husband, uh, other than aside from like, say, cheating on him, for example, but just in a, in an everyday encounter relationship encounter, uh, you know, to tear somebody down like that can weigh heavily on a guy. And mm -hmm. what's worse is if he's always hearing that, then you're more than likely going to transform him literally into that moron who just decides that he can't do everything. He can't right. do anything because he's never going to be good enough for you. So why even bother trying? Yep. And that's really, that's really a sad place to be. Yeah. And this is, you know, I've seen a lot of this in, especially, I hate to say it, but even corporate environments, I guess, as I, as I age with grace <laughs> um, in my working career, I will say that I've seen more and more that usually the executive leaderships, they're all just kids trying to figure it out as they go along. And that's not a judgment thing. That's not me you know, looking down at anybody because really we're all just kids trying to figure it out as we go along. Um, and I guess it's taken me this long to realize or be comfortable with the idea that, yeah, I don't have all the answers, yeah. but nobody else around me does either. But we can actually support each other that way and mm -hmm. figure it out together. You're going to have a stronger team. And at home, in that team, nobody expects the wife or the husband to have all the answers and to have it all figured out. It's a matter of how you support and respect and prop each other up so that you can figure it out together. That's incredibly important. There, there's a, there's one, there's one part here. And I think, I don't think a lot of women who listen to this are gonna, are gonna agree. I, I think, I, I think our society has, has gotten to a place where what I'm about to say next, women will just recoil in, in disgust oh i'm really excited now okay um but shanti talks about this in the book about how sex is a tremendous support for men uh and and i don't think i i may be i may be mistaken but i don't think there are a lot of married women out there who even want to contemplate the idea of having sex with their husband so that he can go out into the world to slay dragons. I might be wrong in that, but I think I think women will interpret that as well, I have so I have to allow my husband to use me so that he feels good about himself. That's not Ooh. Um, Ooh, and that's, that's not what I'm trying to say here. I what 
when I'm what I just said there, Jason, was I think uh -huh. women will interpret it that way. No, I not understand that that's what that. I'm saying. No, I know that's not what you're saying. Because um, because here's here's the here's the here's the dude, that's messed up. It is if, messed up, but here's the truth. Sex is a huge part. Sex plays a tremendous part in men's self-confidence. Yes. If if a if a guy goes out to work and he's getting beat up constantly at the office or wherever it is that he does, you know, earns his keep. If he is being validated sexually at home, he's going to go out into that world. He's going to at least be able to don his armor and go back out into the world and do what he needs to do for his for his wife and for his family because he's going to feel that connection with his wife and it's going to be a tremendous uplift for him now i i'm really interested i got i got several emails from women from last week's episode and i'm really interested from what those women might think about how would you think about screwing your guy so he can go out there and earn his keep for you now i'm well, not okay. saying you have to i'm not saying you have to have sex when you don't want to i'm not saying that but you have to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm hoping that maybe women will approach this with an open mind about the needs of men in their relationship. And remember, we'll get into the needs of women later. So go ahead. Um, okay. So I, I need to clarify for myself why, so I understand how to retort in the conversation appropriately. Um, are you talking about the utilization of physical intimacy as a means to satisfy an insecurity void in men? Or are you specifically jumping towards revelation number five <laughs> in Shanti's book? Because while I think they're related, I want to make sure that you, that I'm having the uh, principal discussion with you on the same level that you're talking about. I haven't even left the same chapter that we've okay. been talking about. All right. So it's in, it's page 65 of Shanti's book, <laughs> which is a section titled supportive sex. Okay. 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 I just want to make it, sure I'm, it, is, I, it is a form and I firmly believe it. I mean, when I was reading that, I was like, thank God somebody is saying this to other women because it's true. Men there, there's sex can be very supportive can be sh and let's be very honest here I need to I need to before we get into this even further I need to I need to preface something here I know that there are men just like there are women that ladies there there are probably men out there that are not worth your time I'm not talking about oh, those guys yeah. what what I'm talking about are I'm talking about honorable men principled men who keep in mind ladies, you chose. I was gonna. I was gonna say this is important to make sure you're not talking about any guy. We're no, talking we're about, about guy. your guy. Your guy. Your guy. Your your guy. The guy that you fell in love with. For him, sex is important for a variety of reasons, but it is a form of affirmation of his worth, of his value. Right. And and it is a way for you to be able to show support for your man. So don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that all men are worthy of this, but just, I'm hoping that if you're listening to this and you're a married woman, that you, you are in love with your husband 
and you do want to support him, is there a wife on this planet who wants to be in her marriage that says, I don't want to support my man? Well, then you have to at least consider the variable that along with that, that what we call support includes sex. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. So we'll take this from, from the idea of men's feeling of inadequacy, not measuring up. Okay. Um, we, we talked just a minute ago about the idea of validating his opinion, his ideas, and his, his thoughts in any particular subject matter of anything, rather than just seeking that information out on your own from other sources, actually asking your spouse, your husband, your boyfriend, what he thinks. By doing that, you actually place value in his opinion and it boosts him up. It really does. It's a his, confidence booster. It yes. is absolutely a confidence booster. You're saying that your knowledge level to whatever that may be and your understanding for you, it actually matters to me. And there is an intrinsic value in that to a man. And it right. should be for a woman. She should value that to a point. Even if she disagrees with what he says entirely, you can still value his feelings and opinion on the matter right so when it comes to uh, that sense of inadequacy now we've we've touched on even intellectual property but if, when it comes to physical ability or prowess valuing your man's physicality or his physical being that's this is a, an expression of that by engaging in intercourse with your husband you are valuing him physically and it's not a subservient idea, which I think is what you were trying to get on. This right. is not you being subservient to your husband's carnal desires. Correct. On the contrary, you are reassuring at him that you still desire him as a physical being. And believe me, he still values you as a physical being. And it's not about the physical act of sex as much as it is the interrelationship and the physical relationship that you two share he's not going to share that with anyone else no more than you are going to share that with anyone else that is something only you two get to share together and i recognize that there's infidelity and things unfortunately that happens in some relationships i'm not and talking not about, about that. that we're not talking, I'm talking about, that. about this is something only you and your spouse get to have together that's it he doesn't get to do that with anyone else, nor does she. The, only you can do that. And if you cease valuing that physical contact with one another, you cease valuing each other. They're interrelated. They're, they're, you cannot separate them. So, yes, by engaging in, in sexual intercourse with your husband, you are valuing him and giving security to his feelings of inadequacy. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's move on further. We're going to move the, the needle. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, because there, we're going to get, we're going to get back into the whole, the whole sex concept, uh, you know, a, a little bit later, probably in the next episode, but this one is really touchy for me. And this next revelation is the one that told me that I, I'm a normal, I'm a normal guy. Um, well, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to make a comment. I'll just choose not to. <laughs> you keep using that phrase normal. Normal? Okay, yeah. <laughs> not abnormal, you jackass. 
Um, Abby normal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. So if, and, and ladies have probably experienced this numerous times where uh, you get into an argument with your, with your man and he withdraws even to the point where he says, you know what? Screw it. I'm leaving. And he gets in the car and drives away. He might go to, go to his man cave for a couple of hours. Um, and that, that act women hate when men withdraw. Women hate it. Yep. We run this, away. We check out. We leave. We can't hack it. We can't deal with the, the heat right. of the argument. Right. And we got to run away like little right. children. Um, and, and women will throw that in our face and say that, well, you're being a little child. You're going to run. You're going to, you're going to run away. You're going to, you're, you're not going to stand up and you're going to run away and go pout. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you that from personal experience, that's, you're just throwing, you're throwing fuel on the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this chapter made me realize that I'm, I'm not alone here because I have a very, there's, and I could never explain it before. I couldn't explain it until I read this and I realized, yes, this is absolutely true. Or at least it, it's very applicable to me. Um, when, when guys are in a situation, we often think through things and we can't really tell you exactly what it is we thought through. Because as men and having gone through hundreds of thousands of years worth of evolution ingrained in our DNA is the desire to just simply act. And so when we think through things, we often think through all kinds of different pathways that are all associated with action. And even after we're done thinking about it and we've put together a whole plan of attack for how we're going to deal with it, we often still find difficulty in verbalizing what it is that we were going, that we planned. We'll think through it very, very quickly. And it's almost like it's, it's a natural reaction or it's intuitive for us. But when it, when we're in an argument with you ladies, women are wired to think through all of their feelings and emotions. And so what they want to do is they want to talk it out. They want to immediately start talking. Tell me what you're thinking. What are you feeling? What, what's going on? And guys, we don't know. We have no idea. And we want to back away so that we can process it and we can spend a little bit of time thinking about it. I was in a position where I would get into a, into a fight with my spouse. And when I wanted to withdraw, she would throw that in my face of you're just being a little child. You're being immature. Look at you running away. She would throw that in my face. And guess what that, guess what that did to me? That basically said F you Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to stand here and be berated and go through this. I am going to withdraw nine times out of 10, my anger had subsided within an hour, but I didn't want, but because I thought I was an anomaly, I did not want to come back and now start talking because I didn't want her to claim victory that yes, I did retreat. And I did, you know, and I, by me coming back, I felt like I'm going to validate the idea that I ran away from the problem and I was being immature. 
And so guess what I did? I didn't come back. Right. For just ignore days. It. And we lived in the same house. And for days, we wouldn't speak to one another. Because for me to speak was admitting defeat and admitting that she was correct and saying that I was retreating. Even though after about an hour, I was cooled off and I was ready to talk. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to give her that satisfaction of thinking that she was right. I'm not saying what I did was right. I'm sure. saying now what, I, what I've realized is how wrong she was in assuming that I'm just being immature. I realized that I'm a normal man that millions of men out there respond in this way. It made me at least feel better in that, in that thinking, in that light that I'm, I'm normal. I need that time to withdraw so that I can think it through and get my emotions in check. Women often think that when, when we're in a, that we're fighting, that men are mad at our spouse. Most of the time, we're not necessarily mad at our spouse. We're mad at the, the context or the situation, whatever has transpired. Yeah, we might be yelling at somebody at the at our spouse about, but we're not mad at her necessarily, right? I'm just saying right, nine right, times right, out of right, ten, right. we're not necessarily mad at her. It's not like she did something that we're mad at her that because she did it. No, we're mad at whatever this thing was, the flat tire. We're really mad at that, but the way that everything comes out it generates into an argument and now we're yelling and I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the flat tire and whatever I did to screw it up, whatever that may be. And now I need to be able to process and think. Right. So the whole purpose of this revelation is ladies, when your guy says he needs a little bit of time to cool off, give him that space. But before you have that big explosion, talk to your guy and try to come up with some kind of an accord where he is free to withdraw and that you both know that everything is going to be okay and you will give him that space. Go ahead. Um, when, I, when I read this, I, I was a little conflicted in a couple different places, but I will say, yes, men absolutely need the time to process and then return to the situation. Um, I, I don't necessarily have as much, I recognize that a lot of guys have a very difficult time trying to understand their emotions and be able to express them. That's something I think I've, me personally, I don't have as much difficulty doing, but when it comes to arguments, which involve, um, decisions, which have deep rooted implications, I do have to retreat and process all that so that I can actually return to the discussion with a clear headed level of thinking and saying, okay, here's our options. This is what I think we should, we should do and why I will say in an argument situation, it is a little different. And even for me, I definitely need in that argument situation, I need time to, to bug out. And that's for me. And it's not me running away it's actually a protective measure for the woman I genuinely love with all my heart because in that heated moment, I'm very apt to lash out as the warrior in me is, has to, and I will go for the one shot weak spot kill 
because I need to address that, target it, hit it, and get out. And so unfortunately, in situations like that, that's where things get said that I know are incredulously hurtful, incredibly diminutive and cruel. And they're not things that I truly mean, but they're said as a defense in that heated moment. And that's not fair. That's not fair to my wife, nor is it fair to me because I'm not a cruel person. But in that moment, I can act cruelly, and that's not fair. So for me, I have to retreat and calm the emotional part of me down so that I can rationally think through the, the valid points that my spouse has made or raised during the argument, and I can address them a piece at a time. And I have to be able to process that and come back. Elsewise, I'm bound to say something that is going to be detrimental to my wife. And that's not appropriate. That's not good. And, and that doesn't help our situation any. Now there's on top of, now I've got to go back and actually address the heart of the issue. I've also got to atone for some of the nasty shit I just said, because mm -hmm. I was mad and pissed off and I felt backed into a corner in an argument. And ladies, that's not, it's, it's not conducive to good conversation. That's not productive. So that's especially particular or um, important for me in a, in a heated situation like that. I have to be able to back out. Um, but again, anytime you're dealing with any kind of emotions, even if I can articulate it, that doesn't mean that the emotional response is going to be appropriate either. So I do believe having that time to process and return so that you can speak rationally about the situation doesn't mean we have to agree on everything either. That doesn't mean when I come back an hour later, I expect you to bend over and say, take everything that I say and say, okay, yes, dear, no problem. That's not conducive to good um, two-way communication either. But it does take the emotional response out of it, which I think is important to proper communication. When, when women get it, when, when men and women fight, women will experience a flood of emotions about a specific situation. And they'll, they tend to know exactly what they're thinking and feeling about what's happening in that moment. Men often don't. And when there's an argument that's taking place, the only, the only thing that men actually feel in that moment is more often anger. True. And so they, men recognize, we do recognize that anger is not how I truly feel about the context. We're fighting and I'm upset. So I need to quell that anger so that I can process the true emotion that I have about that context and figure it out. And where women, when they think through, they're designed to think through all of those things by talking about it, for men to go through all of the layers and emotions and thought process of processes about a specific context, we have to process those things typically individually where women are used to processing all that kind almost kind of simultaneously. And so for, if there's something really important, most men get sort of inundated or overwhelmed by the situation and have to back away so they can think through all of the different parameters and different variables. And then they start thinking about how they feel about all of those parameters and variables. And then they can start thinking about how they can talk to you about it. And then they'll be ready to talk about it. Go ahead. 
Well, and think about this, ladies and guys out there. I think this might help pull some things together. Damn near every argument you ladies have had with your man, it starts out with something, and he's got this dumbfounded look of confusion on his face. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I did what? Yeah. All along, you've got this barrage of, of emotions, and you're hitting him with it, hitting him with it, and he's, he's getting more and more confused, and then he's getting frustrated and upset. Think about we just, what we just talked about. Inadequacy. He is absolutely ill-prepared, ill-equipped, and ill-educated on how to have a good argument with you. He's a guy. Trust me. He's outnumbered. He's outmatched. You guys got us whipped. Congratulations. So when a dude feels inadequate in a situation, he's going, his defenses are going to go through the freaking roof, which means he's going to feel backed up in a corner and he's either going to fight or flee. That is it. Right. You have got him in an absolute defensive position and he is totally confused, <laughs> as I say, about what the hell is going on. And as you, he can try and sit there and start having discussion and process with you. And then you guys bring up shit that happened nine years ago and you can literally watch his mental faculties implode. He cannot process all of that information and loop them together like you guys can. And he is completely outmatched and he's going to be figured out as a fraud right in front of you. So allow him the time to retreat and process what you just laid on him so that he can come back and discuss it with you. I'm not saying you have to appease him again, but trust me, he can't take in all that shit at once. There's no way. We're just not wired that way. Take, take for example, this, uh, this survey, part of the survey that was asked of men. The question was, or the, the survey question was, think about several instances when you've had a tiff with your wife, significant other, and she has wanted to talk about it. In a situation where you don't want to talk about it, please check all the reasons why. Choose all correct answers in parentheses. 48% of men said, because I'm not clear what I'm thinking and or can't articulate it yet, I'm trying to sort out my feelings. 57% of men responded, because talking about our argument right then won't lead to a solution. 41% said, because I need time to figure out a solution before I burden her with it. 31% said, because I'm mad at her and therefore don't want to talk to her. And 71% said, because I don't want to say something in the heat of the moment that I'll regret later. Now, keep in mind, for those keeping score at home, it doesn't total up to, to 100% because the men were allowed to check all the reasons why. So that apply. Right. they could have checked every single one of these, uh, every single one of these boxes. But over, overwhelmingly, the, especially that last one, 71% oh, yeah. because I go. don't want to say something in the heat of the moment that I'll regret later. Those are guys saying, I'm pissed and I need to let the anger subside before I can even have a rational conversation. And that saying something that I'm going to regret later, you talked about the, the fight or flight. Well, if you're not going to let him, if you're not going to let him withdraw, then he's likely going to lash out and say something that he's going to regret later because now he's fighting. Yep. Now, ladies out there, I can remember the last time you got into an argument and your husband or spouse or boyfriend, whoever significant other said something that cut you like a knife to the core and how deeply that hurt you. I guarantee 
guarantee you that guy still thinks about that because it still bugs him that he said that out loud. It still bothers him. I guarantee it. And also guys feel like a failure because they weren't able to control themselves from saying it. Good stuff. Let's, let's do, <laughs> let's do one. It's good. I don't know. You say good stuff. I'm like, ah, it, it's deep. I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's good to think about. I don't know. Good stuff, but all right, go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, it was, again, this, this entire book was a revelation about, about me. I mean, I'm glad I read it because I learned a lot about, about who I am as an individual, mm-hmm. as a man, about how I respond to things. But I think by reading this book, it has, it has also um, given words to things that I, that I experience, that I have experienced in previous relationships. Um, and, and I think it's given me a, a, a new perspective on how I can be better in those relationships going forward and future relationships going forward. Yeah. Um, not plural relationships, plural, just. No, that was, that was a nice cover. <laughs> I knew what you meant. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bumper. I certainly no. do not want, <laughs> want the plural. <laughs> 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 oh, oh just keep digging so, yourself out of that hole, yeah. brother. <laughs> Let's, um, there, there's one last one that I would like to cover here, and uh, okay. the loneliest burden here uh, in in the oh. book. That, this one, this one's tough. Uh, this so far, this has been well. Besides the respect, this has been the 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 very the most monumental um, for me. I, I think it was something that I, I knew. Yeah, but even I didn't fully grasp the depth at which this affects me on a daily. Basis. I thought about you when I read this chapter. I oh, thought, thank this you very is, much. This is because I know you. I, I, I mean, I know you. I know you quite well. Uh, and when I read this chapter, I mean, I felt it applied to me. Yes, it absolutely applied to me as well. But I thought, oh my gosh, if there's one that's got Jason Moret written all over it, it's this one. <laughs> Um, and, and there is a, there is this deeply, deeply embedded into the fiber of our DNA as men, the need to provide it's tremendous. It is a, it is, um, there's, there's no other way around it. Let's start this discussion off with this, uh, this survey question, uh, that remember thousands of men answered. This was quite surprising. But yet, not really. The question was, suppose your wife, significant other, earned enough to support your family's lifestyle. Would you still feel, would you still feel a compulsion to provide for your family? Choose one answer. 78% of men said yes. Yes. Only 22% of men said no. And I, I think that those the, 20, the 22% of men, they eat soy regularly. Go ahead. I think those 22% of men don't truly grasp what the other 78% of men recognize as the role of being a provider truly means. Being a provider is not earning enough money to put bread on the table. That is a part of it, but that is a superficial aspect of being a provider as a man. And I do 
appreciate the way the way Shanti actually worded this is it's the mental burden of providing for the household because this applies to every aspect of our daily life we, we used the analogy last last week when we were talking about the squeaky door right yeah ladies your man has thought about fixing the squeaky door as we lovingly and jokingly noted with a can of wd-40 but i can also tell you that the man's also gone out and looked at the hinges on the door do they need to be replaced is that something i can do is it just the hinges do i need to replace the entire door is that something i can do what if i get into this project and then find out i have to call somebody else what are you going to say how are you going to make us feel? What is best? Do I just call somebody and re replace the entire windows and doors or this whole side of the house? That way everything is taken care of and I can do that for you. Do I have enough money to do that? Well, what if I work extra hours at work and I set aside $25 out of each paycheck? When could I get this done? This is the kind of mental processes that men routinely go through four things as simple as a squeaky damn door mm -hmm. because they want to provide for you the best way they can with the resources that they have and they have to constantly analyze what they've got at their disposal what could go wrong what the impacts of that could have on you and everyone else and how do we overcome all of those obstacles ahead of time so while you say, just fix the damn squeaky door, we've gone through 101 scenarios up to and including selling the house and buying a brand new home. And I'm not kidding. That yeah. is dead serious. Yeah. Every single thing that happens around the house. And this is just a little fix it thing. I'm not even getting into making enough money, property taxes going up, you know, yeah. inflation, the just, I mean, the, the financial aspects of everything else, but it comes to whether or not we're going to have pork chops or I'm going to grill steak for dinner tonight because it, it's all of this stuff. It's about providing and it's every single little need and it's, it's dizzying. Actually, I'm getting a little, getting a little lightheaded here just thinking about it, but the it's, it's absolute, the way you guys actually think about stuff all the time with the, you know, your brainwaves back and forth in your head, nonstop. This is how guys are with the, the idea and the burden and the responsibility of being a provider in the household. Yeah, it's never ending. The, the, the majority of men in the, in the survey said that they are always, they're all, it's always in the back of their mind. They're always thinking about being a provider. And this, this dovetails so much into uh, the, the, the first chapter that we talked about on respect if you're not even being able to get respect at home and yet for a man to go out and work to be able to provide for his family, that's often how most men believe they're showing you love is by going out there and bringing home the bacon for you. Mm -hmm. We're always thinking, how do I keep my family safe? How do I keep, how do I, how do I make sure that there's food on the table for my wife and for my kids? So they don't have to worry about it. For men, they are willing to sacrifice themselves to provide for their families. And it is so deeply ingrained. Now, I really 
I really get frustrated when I talk to women about things like this and they say, well, just stop being that way. <laughs> I know ladies, just stop having your period. Just whoa, stop whoa. it. Just we didn't have to go quite that far. You could say, <laughs> ladies, just stop being so emotional. You well, didn't have to go into you know a menstrual cycle. Thank you. The, the, the point, I think the point still stands. You're literally telling men after hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, this is ingrained in our DNA. You can't just tell us, just don't do that. You can't just wave your hand and say, well, just don't be like that. You're literally telling us, don't be a man if you tell us to do that. Right. And so you I mean, are there ways that men can realize that they don't have to work as much? Sure. But you, you, know, need to, you need to be able to communicate, but also recognize that that is an inherent need that your man has to fulfill or he's going to feel less than a man. And that is extremely important uh, for ladies to recognize. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say that women, it, maybe, may, ladies, maybe your guy does work a lot of hours. Maybe he's working 12 hour days. Okay. And we're, I'm not saying, we're not, I'm not trying to say that you just have to put up with your man working 12 hour days. But what you can have, you can do is you can have a conversation about how much he is working and you need to explain to him that. There are other ways that he can show his love to you other than just being gone for 12 hours a day. And, and together you can work to, you can figure out what that happy balance is. So that way, if he does cut back on hours, I know there are a lot of men who would love to cut back on the hours, but they're afraid to because they feel like they will then fail in their, in providing for their family. So you have to tell your man that, you don't need to work 12 hours a day. It's okay to work eight or nine and come home and be with me and be with the kids. So that way he's aware. So that way when he does disconnect and leave the office or leave the construction site early, earlier than normal, after still putting in a full day, that he knows he's not disappointing you and letting you down and therefore letting himself down in the process. So I, I actually saw it was a really interesting study. It was talking about retirement. And I'm not sure whether this was might have been AARP, could have been AMAC. I'm, I'm not even sure who actually put it out. But nevertheless, they surveyed retired or newly retired men and women and asked them, you know, what would be the one thing in all of your working years you wish you could have told your spouse? Men or excuse me, women overwhelmingly said that they were frustrated with how many hours and how much time their husbands spent at work. And men were overwhelmingly frustrated at not being able to tell their wives that they spent time, they sacrificed time at work because they felt that they had to for them. So it was this, it was this exact same issue. Men were working way too much and not spending time with the family. Men felt that men, however, felt that that was their moral obligation and duty to the family. And it was because they love them so much. They sacrificed their own needs, wants, and desire to be around them and spend more time with them to work and provide women. They resented that. And ultimately that was one thing that men and women did not talk about enough 
to be able to find a amicable arrangement where they could, you know, meet that need for both and, and still suffice. It's, it's crazy. It's one of those things you would think that'd be really easy to talk about, but I can tell you most men, if they had their wives come and say, you know, I wish you wouldn't spend so much time at work. They're going to feel attacked and it's going to be a, what the hell I'm doing all this for you guys. Don't you understand that? How could you possibly sit here and tell me that? You're, you're basically taking the sacrifice that I've been putting in all this time and throwing it back in my face. And I'm not saying that that's ladies' fault necessarily. I think guys are also very sensitive to that. Obviously, we've already covered that. But being able to say, you know, honey, I recognize that you're spending time at work to provide for us. Is there a way we can also make the bills and provide ends and make ends meet and have more time with you at home. It's not because we don't appreciate the sacrifice you're making, but having you here means more to us than whatever that may be. And I think and, guys can be receptive to that as, as, try, as difficult as that may be. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, well I, think, I think guys can be receptive to that. And I think most men would be receptive to that, um, especially if they know, oh, I don't have to work as hard. Okay. Um, I think there are a lot of men who are, who do get exhausted from working that hard. Um, and they would yeah. love, a, they would love a reprieve or they would love to know that they don't have to. What, what can make it very difficult is when a, when a wife goes out and she's used to living a champagne budget on a, or champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. Mm -hmm. So if you know, men see that, Men see that, well, you know, my, my wife spends, she, she shops a lot. She buys lots of clothes. She buys lots of shoes. She buys, you know, she's, she likes all these different, these different things. Um, and, and, you know, men will work their ass off to give those things to, to their wives. They yes. really will, especially if they recognize that it makes their, their, their wife happy. Their, their wife gets a sense of joy out of it. Um, men will do that for them. And so it, hold on, okay. because there, there are, there are some, there are some people I'm not talking, I'm not saying all women are like this. No. Um, there are, there are many women who are very frugal and, and are not happy with those kinds of things, but there are other, there are women who do go out and spend those things. So if, if you are one of those women, then you have to, you have to kind of, do I want do I want the material things or do I want more of my, more of my husband's time? Because if you get more of your husband's time, that might mean less material things. Um, so, and your, your husband is going to bring that up as a, as a, as a rebuttal to you. If you, if you say, you know what, I would like you to work less. Well, that doesn't mean you get to put more stuff on the credit card. Now, not again, not all women are like that. Um, I would probably be surprised if more than 20% of, of wives are like that um i, well, I don't think the majority of them are but it's just something that i wanted to mention for the sake of full disclosure that sure. you have to what do, what is it that you value most well and and ladies out there if if that is if you do like the the gucci apparel and you do like the prada sure. stuff and, and you do like all of that sure. that's fine and sure. and if you're happy with that and your husband is happy working so that he can provide, that is also fine. fine. We're not, I'm not judging. And I know Dr. Ramirez isn't judging no. your, the dynamics of your relationship. 
but come to your spouse and discuss that and find an amicable arrangement. Right. Because in every relationship, in all aspects, there's give and take. Buy one Gucci bag a year instead of five. I don't know. Or whatever. Or if you're like, you know what? I'd rather have the Gucci bags and I don't need your butt at home. I'm fine with you for the 20 right. minutes a day I see you. Then okay. Then if okay. that's the relationship dynamic you have, and that's the relationship. Great. Right. But you can't have all that stuff, just random stuff, or right. not work at all and not have stuff. And you guys have just enough money to make your ends meet and right. whatnot. And then piss and moan about him not either making enough so he doesn't have to work as many hours or vice versa. You've got to be able to come together as a couple and and establish what your priorities are as a team. And I really do think overall, this book so far, has, if it's taught me nothing else, is that communication has to happen. The respect has to be there. The validation has to be there for both as individuals in order for proper and effective communication to happen so that you guys can tackle the world as Mm -hmm. a team. Well, and I think it's I think it's good too to be able to point, you know, the, these books are so are so good. I again I I can't stress it enough. If you're in a relationship or you want to be in a relationship, um, to dive into them or just listen to us talk about them. Who, but you know, who are we? But a couple morons just giving our opinions on these things. Um, right. But that is not a, a sense of insecurity or inadequacy. No. That is a recognition of right. fact. <laughs> just, just observant, yeah. self-aware. <laughs> Self-awareness is also key. <laughs> but but I think what's important about these is it, it at least can give you something to say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Can we talk about that for a moment mm-hmm. and then have a conversation? Because now it's, you didn't put it on the table. He didn't put it on the table. It, the book, Shanti put it on the table for you. And now that it's on the table, you can talk about it and, you, and, and allow your husband to go, yeah, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. But also pick up the other one, the, the other book for for men only so that the women, so that the ladies can say, yes, this is important to me and point yeah. to those because I'm going to tell you what, while this book, the one that we're talking about for women only really opened my eyes to myself, the, the one for men only really opened my eyes to be like, Oh, now I kind of have a little bit of inside baseball into what, you know, what the opposite sex is thinking about. And, and I think both of these books in combination with each other um, can make me a better spouse. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next book. This has given me a lot of um, moments where I get to go, yeah, yeah. But for me, a lot of this is like, well, duh, of right. course, this is obvious. But, you just, but it's supposed you to be obvious to me. It's supposed right. to be obvious to right. me, which is good. And, and right. it is, it's reassuring. And I'm really looking forward to the next, this is the, um, I'm looking forward to really grasping and having the moments where I now understand why the hell she got so pissed after something I said or did. And I go, wait, what, what the hell just happened? Well, at least now the she gets book. upset, I can go, <laughs> oh, wait. I said, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. I did Time the thing, out. didn't Time I? Out. Don't, don't, don't fly off the rails. It didn't. Right. I let me, let me stop. I want to back up. I want to retract and let me, let me phrase this differently or, right. you know, right. or whatever. Because, dude, I'm not perfect. 
My wife is not perfect. We are not perfect together. I do believe we're perfect for each other. But that doesn't mean that's going to be enough to carry us through without us being able to talk together and understand where the hell we're coming from. And I'm really excited about having a reference point for us to be able to have those conversations and meet on neutral ground. This is, yeah. it's really exciting. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. I think you wrapped it up pretty nicely. So oh, you're welcome. Thanks for everybody for listening. As always, you can find all of our, all of our rantings about stuff. If you're curious about any of it, um, <laughs> You can find all of our stuff over at fusionunderground.net. We post all of our, whatever, whether they're YouTube videos, podcasts, everything is there. Really great place to find it. You can also find us on Facebook at AZ, AZ Fusion Underground or it's facebook.com forward slash AZ Fusion Underground. Good stuff. I have something. Okay. So I we have a, a, a listener out there who actually mm -hmm. talked about this and you said you were going to bring it up, but you didn't. So I will. Ha. <laughs> who okay. actually wrote us a comment and actually um, reciprocated that he thought that this was a really good reference and a really good book, but he was concerned his wife probably wouldn't listen to us talk about it because we're a bunch of guys and who well, the hell are we? We're, who the hell are we? We already said yeah. we don't know nothing from no one. So ladies out there, if you get a chance, if you're listening to this, pick this up and share it with one of your friends. Not the podcast necessarily, although I think uh, <clears throat> we're worth sharing, but that's okay. At least the book, because I do think that ladies will receive this better from ladies than they will from men. And I expect that and I can appreciate that. But share it because I do think this is incredibly helpful to all relationships out there. So, well, and, and I think, I think the, I think the ladies should listen to us. And the reason why is because maybe, maybe you don't, you don't understand, you don't understand it. And, and we were, we're two guys talking about this. Um, and it might give you some insight. I, here's the, here's the challenge. A lot of guys might be a little uncomfortable or just both of y'all might be a bit uncomfortable, especially if you're not good at communicating with one another, right? You might be a little, well, how much do I really share about all this stuff? You get to listen to two morons on the internet talk about it. And I guarantee you, we're probably saying exactly what's going through your guy's head anyway. Guaranteed. So you'll probably get more about, you'll probably get more from us about what your husband is thinking than you will if you go talk to your husband because he's going to be he's going to be like wait whoa what's going on here you know i'm walking out into a minefield what can i say or because he's got to sleep next to you at night we don't so i don't got listen to, to right. right so you can hear us be absolutely truthful about what we think about it and our experiences and i guarantee you he's thinking the exact same stuff yep. so you'll probably get more from us than you would from your hubby and if you'd like to hear a um, educated and articulate version of that, listen to Dr. Ramirez. If if your husband's more of the blue collar redneck type, then here I'm um, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and with that, go to fusionunderground.net and share the podcast. And you can find us wherever you can subscribe to podcasts, uh, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Breaker, all of the ones out there. If you got a little app, you know, I got a little app on my phone. 
that is just uh, for podcasts. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Uh, Beyond Pod is the one that I use. Just plug in Fusion Underground. It pops up right there and you can subscribe, hit the subscribe button. Uh, it's always good. So if you want a really good, interesting conversation starter with a friend of uh -huh. yours, uh -huh. have them listen to an episode of fusion underground and talk uh -huh. to them about it next day at work. Cause it, it will change your conversation dynamic with your work colleagues. I guarantee it. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh oh, Oh yeah. All right. Well, for Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez and you've been listening to the fusion underground. Peace. We're late. Have a good night. Yeah.